it is astounding to them how ill-prepared the lenders are for a case of this kind. And so a lot of lenders have just been rolling the dice, kind of hoping that um, a case wouldn't come up against them. News of minority homeowners having to whitewash their homes has been making headlines over the past few years, and the lawsuits are mounting. Although lenders and AMCs think they are separate from these matters, Jillian White says that's not the case. White, who has been called in to give expert testimonies on these cases, says lenders and AMCs are being dragged into it with more frequency. The DOJ was clear. If you are selecting a third party who is selecting the appraiser, you are just as much responsible for a biased appraisal. White has experienced racist treatment in her 20-year career as an appraiser, but as Appraisal Insight CEO, she is providing a solution called Biascape to any lenders or AMCs that might get called into court when their client is alleging a racist appraisal. Thank you, Jillian White, for joining us on the podcast today. Oh, thank you, Katie. I'm very happy to be here. So I know a lot about you. I've read up on your background, but I was thinking you could do the honors of introducing yourself to the audience a little bit, um, explaining, you know, who you work for um, and a little bit about your work history. Sure. Um, So once again, my name is Jillian White, and I have been a residential real estate appraiser for the past 20 years. The first 13 years of my career, I was the appraiser going out to people's properties and assigning an opinion of value. And then for the last seven years, um, I've been working in the tech space, specifically with a mortgage lender, um, and I was the head of their appraisal department. And so at our peak, um, the department got really big and we were processing tens of thousands of appraisal reports um, all each and every month. And so uh, being an appraiser who's like been out in the field and then also having the experience of um, working with a large lender who underwrites billions of dollars of uh, collateral each and every month. I have this unique experience uh, of being able to see uh, the issue of appraisal bias from the perspective of the, the appraiser, the lender, and also as a Black person who's experienced appraisal bias firsthand. And I wanted to know, you know, a bit about what that experience is like being one of few Black female appraisers in the industry. That's a double entendre because we don't have many females in the appraiser industry, you know, just in general. Um, so, you know, what what was it like, you know, coming into this industry? Um, did you always know that? Did you know that before entering? And, you know, was there anything in particular that you had to cope with or perhaps was it easier than you had thought? Coming into residential real estate appraising, I had no idea that um, it was 97% white, 70% male, and that most appraisers are at or near retirement age. Because a lot of appraisers work individually in their home offices, and I was no different. It's only when I started networking on the national level and going to conferences that I would walk into this room and I was like, oh my goodness. Oftentimes I was one of a handful of women and almost always I was the only person of color. Um, and oftentimes I was the youngest person in the room. And so it was through the, these national um, conferences that I realized what the demographics of the appraisal population um, was and, and still is today. 
And so in the beginning, um, I feel like not knowing was, was very helpful. I, I think it would have been daunting trying to break into an industry knowing that I would be such an anomaly, but it did creep up in a number of different ways. Um, I know that there was a time where I, I was sending out my resume as Jillian White. Um, Jillian was getting very few responses. And then somebody told me, you know, this is really male dominated. And so with that, I changed my name from Jillian to Jay and got a ton more responses. And so that was an important lesson learned. Then uh, one person reached out to Jay and was like super excited and said, oh, you know, um, can Jay White come in and interview for a position as a trainee appraiser um, right now today? And so I was like, sure. And I dropped everything and I went to this person's office. And as soon as he saw me, he started saying things like, you're overqualified. I don't know why you'd even want to become an appraiser. And our entire interview was conducted from the threshold of the doorway of his office. He never even invited me in to sit for the interview that he was so excited for back when he thought um, Jay White looked different uh, than than myself. And then also my first job in appraising, um, I got hired. I, I was about a week into the position. And then the CEO of the company came to that satellite office for the first time. And I went over and introduced myself. And um, he looked at me and said, you know, were you given the math test to become an appraiser? And I was like, no, I, I, I wasn't given any sort of math exam. And so he said, oh, in order to be an appraiser, you have to be good at math. And I'm thinking to myself, great, like I'm fantastic at math. And then uh, he went on to say, well, did they give you the written exam? And I said, no, I didn't take any written exam either. And he was like, oh, well, to be an appraiser, you have to be really good at math and really good at writing. And at that point, it clicked. I was like, oh, he's looking at me and assuming I can't do the job. Um, and, and he's trying to clue me in, like I should have been given all of these tests. And so at that point, once it clicked, I, I, I looked at him and I was like, well, I think my degree in neuroscience and behavior from Columbia has more than prepared me for the math and the writing uh, to be an appraiser. And so um, with that, he got quiet and, uh, and I went into the bathroom and cried. <laughs> And so these early, now looking back, uh, these early experiences, it still didn't clue me in to the fact that I was such an anomaly. I, I just, I kind of took them as one-offs, but now looking back, it all kind of makes more sense. I can only, you know, imagine, you know, your reaction and how you felt after that. Like, that's a terrible experience. I'm wondering, you know, why did you keep pushing? Is that, did it end up motivating you in some sort of way? Um, I was really clear why I wanted to become an appraiser. And so I love real estate. I, I love um, looking at houses and I love the flexibility of it and being able to set my own hours. So I didn't stumble into this. I handpicked it. And so even though there were these challenges in the beginning, um, the facts still remain. I really, really wanted to become an appraiser. And so I think that clarity of why I wanted to do this thing is what propelled me forward. And the experience of whitewashing your parents' home. Um, on our first episode of Gated Communities, we brought on Tanisha Tate, whose um, case ended up becoming famous because of uh, you know the massive difference um, after whitewashing her home and having her her white friend come in and pretend that this was her home. Um, and she kind of ex you know explained the the emotional experience behind that. 
Um, so I'm wondering what was that experience like for you? Is that something that you, um, is that an idea you brought to your parents or is that something that they recommended to you? How did that end up working out? Um, so I was a listing agent for my parents' home and I brought it to them based on the lessons learned from my aunt and uncle who were trying to sell their home. So um, the average marketing time for their property was about 30 days and their home sat on the market for in excess of 130 days. And it was their real estate agent who pulled them aside and said, hey, I think if you whitewash, you will get more offers. And so having learned from that experience, I told my parents, let's not wait for our house to sit on the market for months on end. Let's really be proactive around this. And so collectively as a family, we went through um, the home and removed all evidence of ourselves. And it's extremely time consuming, but it's exceptionally emotionally taxing because if you pause for a moment to think about what you are doing or why, Essentially, you're saying, if people know that I live here, the home will be worth less. And so there's a part of yourself you have to shut off from that conversation just to get through it. Um, and you have to, well, I consistently reminded myself, I'm doing this for an economic benefit and it's going to pay off in the end. Um, and that was the only way uh, I was able to get through that process. Yeah, I can only imagine how strange that would feel because, you know, as people have told me their experiences, they're looking around their house and they're asking themselves, does that make me look black? And that is just so weird. Like, you know, things that you would never really consider. There are some, you know, you know, culturally, uh, cultural um, significant things that you may have, but some things that may not seem so obvious. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, you know, just kind of that whole line of thought is, is just so strange. But the outcome of it, was there a significant economic uh, payoff in doing that? I don't know, because my parents decided not to move. So we went through this exercise of whitewashing and then a couple of weeks later, they're like, never mind, we're going to stay. Um, but I can tell you that the house never looked the same again because there were photographs that never made it back onto the walls, artwork that never made it back. So there's a clear delineation of how the house looked before whitewashing and how it looked afterwards. And, you know, your experience working with clients, has anyone expressed, uh, have you ever had Black clients express, you know, gratitude for, oh my goodness, I just didn't, wasn't expecting to have, a you know, a Black female appraiser, or have any, you know, anyone kind of shared their experience with you, or maybe perhaps your reaction to everyone else that's whitewashing, and, you know, the amount of stories coming out now about that? So the last time I was in the field um, appraising, this is this is a long time ago. However, when I went into the homes of Black homeowners, yes, they would often express like relief, like, oh my goodness, okay, we, we got a, a Black appraiser, somebody who will understand. And I remember um, there was one point in time where there were these two Black realtors who hired me to appraise their properties um, for for. Uh, pre-listing uh, presentations. And they're like, we need somebody who actually understands the neighborhood. So even before this was um, getting all the attention that it's getting currently within the Black community, people were expressing um, relief that I was their appraiser. And, you know, after coming out of, you know, being an appraiser, what kind of, you know, pushed you into a different direction? Was it the inspiration to kind of inspire change? And how did you go about doing that? 
Yeah, um, I, I have this really unique trifecta of experience. So having um, been an appraiser out in the field for 13 years, so I know what the day-to-day of an appraiser looks like, and then having worked at a lender who is underwriting billions of dollars uh, worth of collateral month over month, and me being responsible for that, and then my experience with with whitewashing. It's it's unique. And I, I did the math in terms of how many others like me in the country would have uh, all of these experiences and be able to speak to the topic the way that I can. And there's just a handful of us. And so with that, I was like, I really need to do something with this information and this these experiences that I've had um, to try to make the situation better for really all stakeholders. So to help appraisers understand um, that this bias piece does not make you a bad person or a bad appraiser. This is just a, a part and parcel of like how we were trained as appraisers and also um, the human experience. And then speaking to lenders saying, here's how the risk is going to show up for you. So please don't think of this just as an appraiser or an appraisal problem, but recognize that this is impacting your bottom line as well. And then lastly, helping the consumer. Um, I get text messages from family and friends and also people who I don't know reaching out saying the appraiser is coming. What should I do? Or I got a low appraisal. Um, what are my options? And so I want to really do something to set it up that they don't even have to worry about it. I want to get to the point where when somebody texts me saying, Jillian, the appraiser is coming, what should I do? I say, do nothing. It is fine. You will get a fair appraisal. And, you know, coming up and you're on the board of, of, of some of the appraisal institute and, um, well, sorry, I'm blanking on the other one now. It's the, oh, the appraisal foundation. Yeah. I'm actually, so I resigned from those boards, but yes, I was on those. Okay. Interesting. And, and being a part of that, you know, of those, you know, major institutions, what was that like? And, you know, what did you observe from the other people there um, in charge? And do you think that um, this was something, a topic that was always on their mind? Is it something that they needed to be introduced to or something that needed to be pushed to them um, recently? Um, and, you know, how did they handle these types of issues? Um, so this topic is definitely something that appraisers and uh, the, the appraisal organizations had to be introduced to. In the beginning, people really weren't understanding. And I heard a lot of appraisers say, we don't determine market value. We just report on what the market value is. Um, and so I started highlighting all the different layers of subjectivity and how that could result in, in different valuations. So there, there definitely had to be an education and an introduction to the topic. I think what helped with that tremendously is um, some of the reporting that has come out on the topic of appraisal bias, specifically for like the Fannie Mae report and the Freddie Mac report, where there's an analysis of actual appraisal reports and the findings, which across the board, every report on this topic that has been done um, says that there is a gap. There is a disparity. White borrowers and black borrowers are being treated differently in the appraisal process. And so I think that has helped move the conversation forward and move it away from the, the defensive standpoint to now next steps. What can we do about it? Um, how can we solve for this? Awesome. And you were talking a bit about the risks to multiple parties happening in the case of appraisal bias. There's a risk to the appraiser, to the lender, and the AMC. Mm -hmm. I was wondering, you know, 
kind of briefly going over as a warning, what are the potential consequences of this happening to each of those parties? Um, well, as we've been seeing with some some very high profile appraisal bias cases, um, the lender, the AMC, and the appraiser are all being named. And um, in in the very first case, the lender came back and said, "Oh, uh, we dealt with a third party, and that third party hired the appraiser, therefore we are not on the hook." And the DOJ uh, opined on it and was very clear: like if you are selecting the third party who is selecting the appraiser, you are as much responsible as the appraiser or the AMC. And so that's where the risk comes in. I think for a long time, there's been this separation in the minds of lenders that uh, appraisal bias is an appraisal issue and then lending is something completely separate, but that's not the case. So really anybody who's touching the appraisal ecosystem is at risk of a lawsuit in the event that a bias appraisal was allowed to, to you know, be used or... Um, yeah, be used in, in a, in a mortgage lending transaction. And, uh, the, the borrower decides to, to take up a case and, and sue the parties involved. And so we're seeing that with a greater, um, amount of frequency. I myself have been solicited multiple times this year, um, for, you know, expert testimony or, or, or expert, um, consultation on these cases. And, Prior to 2023, that, that wasn't the case at all. So I think in my seat, I'm able to see the, the level of risk, um, through a different lens. And then also too, the attorneys that I'm talking to about these cases more than once, um, have said it is astounding to them how ill prepared the lenders are for a case of this kind. Because when they start digging into that and asking them, okay, well, what were you doing to prevent bias? So like, what are some of your protocols? There's really been absolutely nothing. And so a lot of lenders have just been rolling the dice, kind of hoping that um, a, a case wouldn't come up against them. But now with all the media attention, uh, the consumer is much more savvy. Um, consumers are doing their own A-B testing where they'll let the appraiser in and see that a Black homeowner lives there, and then they'll have uh, a white friend stand in for them. So they have like the documentation that, that's done in, in fair housing testing, but they're doing it on, on their own. And so this idea that that um, having absolutely no processes in place um, as being suitable, like it, it just, the amount of risk is tremendous in large part because the number of policies and, and procedures and practices have not yet been put into place. And, you know, you were talking a bit about before about how this bias comes about, and it's not entirely, you know, uh, the appraiser's own personal bias in all cases. It seems like it was kind of a, a systemic issue going on without, you know, proper training or um, methods in order to combat this from happening. Um, you know, so talking about, you know, systemically, what's going on there? What's wrong with our training? Why aren't appraisers, you know, prepared for this um, and, and kind of maybe leading into Biascape a little bit and, and how that idea formed. Yeah. Um, so if you take a look at old appraisal handbooks, old appraisal textbooks and trainings, um, race is built into the appraisal process. It is explicit. Um, there's explicit language such as uh, when there is a mixing of the races, this is going to drive down property values. Um, there was one book where the author uh, made a list 
of races by hierarchy. And so um, it was a list from one to 10, one being most uh, beneficial, 10 being most detrimental and had it listed out. Um, on the appraisal form right now, there is a note and the note says, this is a reminder that race and the racial composition of the neighborhood is not a factor in appraisal practice. That note is in there for a reason because the foundation of appraising was built off of racialized ideas. So now to, to fast forward and try to tease it out when it's embedded and, and to do so with appraisers having no training or guidance on this, um, it's, it's not working. Like the entire system has to be revisited, re-examined, and there need to be specific state guards put into place. And, you know, not only is that extremely, you know, unethical, of course, but it's not even, you know, I don't even think applicable in, you know, the modern person's eyes to to look at something as less valuable because there are, are different races there. There's a lot of uh, studies coming out showing that the younger generations really don't care for the things that the older generations um, had thought of before. Like, I don't care if there's an affordable housing complex in the neighborhood that doesn't remove value in my eyes. So, you know, I think it's 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 especially old fashioned in, in that way as well with, you know, with all these assumptions. And it's amazing that a lot of it has not been touched in, in so long. So, you know, looking at this, you know, how did the idea of, of buy escape form and, you know, what, what is some of the criteria, the new criteria that you're adding and going into it with? Yeah. Um, so Biascape is an appraisal bias certification program for third party vendors. And the reason why I created Biascape is because I was having conversations with lenders and third party vendors alike, and they were asking me consistently the same questions. Like in this scenario, what should we do? And in that scenario, what should we do? And so I was like, it would be wonderful to actually like uh, codify this and start teaching it in terms of the best practices, because everybody is dealing with the same concerns regarding this topic. Also, what I saw is that a lot of the decision makers um, were not members of black and brown communities. And so they were trying to make these decisions on behalf of communities that they weren't a part of. And there was a lot of fear that they would get it wrong. And if you get it wrong, in the best case scenario, you're being labeled as tone deaf. In the worst case scenario, you're being labeled something else. And so there's this hesitancy to take any sort of action. Um, and so again, given, given my trifecta of experience, I was like, I think I can help bridge this gap. And originally it was kind of on a one-off basis, but then I was like, what if I compiled all of my observations, the things and, and uh, that I saw and I learned while working at the bake at the macro scale with tens of thousands of appraisals per month. Um, but also like how this is going to impact the appraiser as well. What the, um, QC process should look like. Um, what, what sort of items should be included in, um, a check for appraisal bias? What sorts of things can come back? to bite a lender or an AMC or an appraiser and getting in front of it and offering this training proactively. Because bottom line, by the time there is a bias claim, nobody wins. The consumer's not happy, the appraiser's not happy, the AMC's not ha happy, and the lender's not happy. So if we can get in front of it and prevent a bias claim, then everybody is able to just go on with their lives as they were. And I want to address a point that I think appraisers might um, bring up is the fact that we already have so much training um, to go through to 
become an appraiser. Um, and this is more training that we're, we are tacking on. Um, of course, from my point of view, I think it is absolutely necessary. You do want to avoid a lawsuit. You want to avoid losing your career. Um, it's a whole systemic issue that we're addressing here. But let's talk a bit about, you know, the, the, the training that appraisers go through and perhaps, you know, some of the roadblocks that, that may present um, to, you know, other groups of people from becoming appraisers. So um, with Biascape, there's no additional training for appraisers. This is just training at the enterprise level for appraisal management companies to help them protect themselves and also the appraisers and the lenders and the consumer. Um, the appraisal qualifications board, which determines what is the criteria for somebody to become an appraiser, um, they just decided that now every appraiser is going to have to take bias training, which it, if you think about it, it's actually very surprising that uh, real estate appraisers never had to take any sort of fair housing or, or bias training at all. So now that is built into the process. So there's nothing new or additional um, with Biascape because it, it's already being covered by the rulings of the appraisal qualifications board. Um, but what is new is the training for third parties. Um, so the clearing houses, the AMCs that are providing these services really to, to be able to protect them. And my hope is that with training of this kind, with with um, bias training, it would, number one, raise the awareness that appraising is a career pathway. Because I used to tell people like, oh my goodness, this is the, the best kept secret. Like not many people even know about appraising. And so that is changing a bit. What I'm hearing a lot from people of color is that they want to become appraisers because they see it as a way of helping their community. So I think there's now an unprecedented a level of interest in the topic, which is fantastic. But the big gating item is the apprenticeship. In order to become an appraiser, you have to already know an appraiser. And so if only 3% of appraisers are people of color, and um, now that means that most people of color aren't going to know anybody in their community who's an appraiser, you have to go and convince a complete stranger to share their profits with you for a number of years. That is an incredible ask. Appraisers consistently say, why in the world would I train my competition? And so historically, the only people who have been willing to train their competition are um, people who are looking to pass down their business to a family member or to a friend. And that is why appraising is the least diverse, most homogenous um, industry in all of the United States of America. So once you get rid of that apprenticeship and that need to pair up with somebody who's already, already an appraiser, then the floodgates open for everybody to participate. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, there, there's never been more interest in becoming an appraiser because again, a lot of people of color see it as a way of helping their communities. I absolutely um, agree with that. And I think that if you even zoom out a bit more, looking at the mortgage industry in general, um, it is also referred to as a legacy business where you're bringing in people you know, your own children. Um, you know, a lot of these businesses are family run businesses. Um, and the nature of that is you really don't get much diversity at all. Um, and it, it seems like, you know, on a, another level, that's especially happening, you know, with the appraiser job. Um, 
What's interesting, though, is, you know, we have it's that's obviously male dominated being a, an appraiser. Um, but real estate agents, real estate agents are mostly women. And, you know, it's interesting. And when we try to compare the two, what's going on with real estate agents and why are more women attracted um, to that field? There's a certain glamour about being a real estate agent. And, you know, it, even though it's it, it's tough, you know, working solely on commission and that sort of thing, it does get a lot more attention. What are some of the beautiful things about being an appraiser that might, you know, you know, seem beneficial to a young person, um, and, you know, or what are the most favorite parts of the job um, that you know that you favored most? I love the flexibility of it. Um, I also became a salesperson. That's how I was able to list my parents' house. Um, but with the sales, you're dealing with that particular property, if it's a listing, or um, that particular consumer for, for an extended period of time. With real estate appraising, you, you go in, you, you see the house, you appraise the house, and then you're on to the next. So anybody who's looking to like see lots of different houses um, and have the same flexibility that you would have as a real estate agent, um, appraising is really just a wonderful option. You get to schedule your your days and when you do your inspections, when you write out the reports, um, you have your choice in clients. A lot of appraisers will tell you, you know, I had to let go of this client because they weren't meeting their standards. It, it's nice to have the flexibility in terms of when you work and with whom you work and how you work. Um, and I think that's that's the beauty of the industry. Absolutely. And is there anything else that you wanted the audience to know about Biascape um, anywhere? You know, if an appraiser lender, AM, someone from an AMC wants to learn more about this, where, where should they go? Um, well, the first thing I, I would love to share with your audience about Biascape is that there's also a lender component. So it's it's geared towards appraisal management companies, teaching them how to um, navigate the appraisal bias space and um, greatly reduce the risk of a lawsuit. However, there's also a lender component. And so the request is that lenders sign a pledge to only work with AMCs that have the Biascape certification. And this really protects their consumers so that no matter um, which AMC, the appraisal order that consumer goes through, they know that they are covered and that certain baseline activities are taking place to protect their interests and to protect them from, um, from bias. And so anybody who's interested in finding out more about Biascape can go to um, the website, www.appraisalinsights.com, and there's additional information there. And then also um, there's going to be an informational webinar on Biascape that will also be posted on the website um, once that webinar is completed so they can get more information there. That's perfect. And, and the pledge, I think it, it is a is a great tool, honestly, um, for the borrower to feel insured and safe that they are signing on to the right people and they know that they're going to be taken care of throughout the process. That's, you know, I saw some banks actually listed um, beneath um, are those banks that do you have some banks already signed up with Biascape? Um, you know, who do you what type of lenders are you generally seeing uh, being attracted to this? 
Um, really large lenders who have the greatest deal of exposure. Um, but really everybody, because it's a, it's a wonderful way of, um, being proactive and saying, Hey, we are committed to the eradication of bias. And then also too, my hope is that, um, word will spread amongst consumers around Biascape. And so now you have consumers who are worried about whether or not they're going to receive a fair appraisal. And so they go to their lenders and say, Hey, I want to make sure that I'm getting a Biascape certified appraisal. And once that starts happening, um, then it's just going to become kind of like the baseline that certain policies, processes, and procedures are in place to protect the consumer. But if we protect the consumer, everybody in the ecosystem is also protected as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Is there, before I let you go, anything else that you wanted to add that you want the audience to know about Biascape or, um, you know, where to learn more information about this? Yeah. Um, so if you go to the Appraisal Insights website, www.appraisalinsights.com, you can learn more about Biascape. Um, the first cohort of Biascape certification is, is going to be starting on September 12th. And so we are taking registrations now for AMCs. And also I encourage all lenders to please sign the pledge and send a strong message to your consumers that you're taking this topic seriously and have taken concrete action towards the eradication of bias. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Gated Communities, hosted by me, Katie Jensen, for National Mortgage Professional. You can find more episodes at nationalmortgageprofessional.com and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe so you can get future episodes and be sure to rate and review us if you haven't already. This podcast is copyrighted by American Business Media.